Hi everyone, I'm Pamelia Chia, and you are listening to the Singapore Noodles podcast, your go-to destination to learn about Singaporean food. My guest today is Ken Cole, who is the director and third-generation successor of Nanyang Sauce. In this conversation, we chat about the differences between the different soy sauce products, including soy sauce salt crystals, and also explore how Ken managed to revitalize this 62-year-old brand. Can you tell me about what soy sauce means to you? It means a lot to me because uh, it is the first memory I have of childhood. You know, I spent a lot of time growing up in a soy sauce brewery. And, uh, you know, the aroma, you know, when you say something is fermented, you know, it, it usually brings two reactions, right? People in the know, they will say that it's very nice, it's fragrant for soy sauce. People who may not know about fermentation might think that well, it's a rotten smell. Actually, that is very far from the truth, right? Because soy sauce fermentation, uh, being from beans, it gives out that very fragrant umami smell uh, as a result of the fermentation. It's not pungent like uh, fish sauce, you know? Uh, first fermentation of fish is an entirely different thing. Um, but when it's from soybeans, it gets a very... Uh, it makes you hungry, you know? Mm. It makes you... It gives you that fragrance, it gives you that aroma, the bean smell, the umami... A smell that makes you salivate. Yeah, so I grew up with this uh, smell, a very familiar smell, and of course, uh, the taste of soy sauce. So to me, is everything because I believe that a good sauce carries a dish. You know, uh, if you have a good sauce, half the work is done. And it's up to the chef to control the fire, the timing, and all that. And bingo, you know, it's done. Whereas uh, <clears throat> a lot of times, if you look at modern day cooking recipes, uh, you tend to find that. There's a lot of, uh, it's, it's quite complicated. Uh, that being said, it's because usually the sauce that is used is a generic sauce, right? I would say, right? And then sometimes after adding soy sauce, they add salt again, which perplexes me because soy sauce is naturally already salty, mm. right? So if you have a good sauce, you don't need to add salt after to make it even saltier, right? Because mm. it's already uh, multi-purpose. It's all designed for people to cook. Uh, in, a, in a quick time with uh, you know the best taste yeah mm-hmm. so that's that's my what is what it means to me <laughs> can, I ask, can I ask what dialect group you're you're from because you know previously you talked about how a lot of recipes are very complicated right so I'm guessing that you're Teochew no I'm a uh, Hokkien Hokkien <laughs> actually soy yeah. sauce plays a big part in Hokkien food as well right yes huge so Hokkien Teochew dishes are quite similar in a sense because you look at the geographical location, they are just we're just next to each other. So um, if you look at the, the, the best example to look at for Hokkien dishes, for example, is to look at uh, or Minan dishes is like Taiwanese cuisine as we know it, right? You have the Lu Rou Fan, you've got the braise, and you know, it's it's the emphasis is on the sauce for mm. Hokkien people. You know, you realize that uh, whereas my wife is Cantonese. Right? Okay. She's from Hong Kong and uh, for them, uh, I, through, through my interactions with her for the last 10 over years, uh, I came to realize that actually for, for Cantonese people, the quality of the, the ingredient, the fish for example, the freshness of the fish is more important than the sauce for example, right? Because uh, they talk about sunscreen, which mm. is the, the freshness of their ingredient. How fresh is their fish? Is it swimming or not? Yeah. Is the chicken walking or not? You know, that, 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 that is the key. Uh, uh, for Cantonese cuisine, and usually you look at the, the Cantonese cuisine, it's very light. Yeah. So that being said, uh, be it Cantonese, Hokkien, Teochew, Hakka, we have all customers, 
I'm from mm-hmm. there. My wife and uh, her relatives over in Hong Kong, they love our sauce. You know, we have, uh, in fact, a distributor in Hong Kong as well. Uh, yeah. So I like soy sauce is extremely umami. So if you have natural umami, you don't need MSG. So our sauce has no MSG, right? Because the natural thing is much better than what man has made, right? And uh, natural umami comes from fermented products, like for example, naturally fermented soy sauce, Parmesan cheese, uh, seaweed kombu, so and so forth, you know? Uh, only a, a sprinkling of these items which naturally fermented you have that rich umami taste mm. yeah. you know you mentioned dark soy sauce and i really wanted to touch on this because i feel that so often i go to the supermarket and the dark soy sauce is very watery very liquidy and some people also use dark caramel sauce instead of dark soy sauce so i would love for you to tell me what is so special about your dark soy sauce Oh, my dark soy sauce is, is uh, dope, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy because, because uh, actually uh, you, you touch on a very good point, a thickness of dark soy sauce, right? Does it matter if it's thick or it's not, you know? Actually, the common perception, because in a typical bottle, you can't really see, for example, right? You can't see whether the sauce is good and all that, right? But actually, the thickness of it does not affect the quality. It's not a, a benchmark. Some people have it very thick. It's almost so viscous that it's hard to pour out, right? Uh, but what they do is they just add a lot of caramel in it, right? Mm-hmm. It does not necessarily mean that it's nice or it's tasty. And there's even this black caramel sauce, which you say, right? Mm-hmm. Or some, uh, some people, they call it jian yu kao, super thick and it's just caramel. There is no bean in it. You know, so it does not mean thickness equals to good. What determines is the smell, for example. Mm-hmm. Over here, you see, this is a fully sealed bottle. But when I smell it, uh, even with the bottle, I can smell that umaminess. You can smell that fragrance. And when you used to cook, or for example, dark soy sauce, we love Singaporeans, we love to add it to soft boiled egg. Yeah, mm-hmm. You drop a, a few drops in and it just totally blows the mind away, you know? Yeah. So dark soy sauce, I would say uh, the taste is important, the aroma, the smell, the aftertaste. So you've got to have that sweetness and uh, salty. You know when sweet and salt, salty combines together, just like baking a cake, right? You've got mm. sugar, you can add a little bit of salt, right? People who bake, they usually do add some salt. Uh, or for example, you know, uh, when you when you braise with this, like say braised duck, braised pork, braised chicken, extremely nice. So the, the, the watery factor does not make a difference. The difference is whether the bean smell, the, that, 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 that soybean uh, fragrance, does it kick in? Is that a layered taste? Is it a complex one or is it just flat? Flat will mean it's just sweet. Mm. Then we have something like that, which is uh, uh, just sweet, a uh, sweet sauce, right? It's, it's actually not from uh, caramel in that sense. Yeah. Um, I hope I answered your question. Yeah, you did. Um, I, think, I think a lot of people's uh, perception of dark soy sauce is that, you know, it has to be thick because it's a um, concentrated version of light soy sauce. But I'm not sure what the traditional uh, production process for it is like. Yeah. Is it more fermentation or is it more reduction okay so uh yeah um thickness is easy to achieve by just adding caramel and that's why um, uh, some people make it so thick that is it can't even pour out of water right yeah. um the production process is actually uh, similar in terms of fermentation right uh, but i think the key to good dark soy sauce is how we let it ferment and towards the end how do we add in extra ingredient caramel? Caramel is always added in dark soy sauce. How do you let the fermentation uh, and the caramel blend together? Mm. 
you know. So it's not exactly reduction because reduction would mean that it's it's a very very come very concentrate, right? Mm. Uh, but generally, by and large, the the duration for dark soy sauce is slightly longer. So mm. for us, light soy sauce is nine months. Dark soy sauce is about a month more, thereabouts, and then um, it becomes the additional time is for the caramel to soak in and blend with the fermented soy sauce. You know, uh, so that process takes a little bit longer. Oh, wow. But uh, generally, it's not about how 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 we how much we reduce it. Uh, some people do it by boiling, so then it becomes very thick and gluey, and uh, it's, it's, it becomes bitter if you do that. Yeah, so it's it's not meant to be bitter. Mm. And you touched on sweet sauce just now. And I think yes. there are so many different variations of sweet sauce currently on the market, yeah. right? Like you have ketchup manise, and then you have the mm. Chinese tian mian jiang. So can you tell mm. me a little bit about the differences? And I was also wondering whether your company uh, has a product that is sweet soy sauce related. Yes. We have sweet sauce. We call it sweet sauce, tian jian. And this tian jian is uh, used in local Singapore food, for example, char kway teow. A carrot cake, shun kueh, you know, things that are, that are, that are dark and of course uh, the, the, the amazing thing about sweet sauce is how do you prepare the sweet sauce, how do you cook the sugar without it getting bitter, right? So a lot of brands out there um, do it to varying degrees. Some have a slight bitter aftertaste, but we don't, right? So sweet sauce also is used by a lot of my customers in place of sugar, meaning to say when they are cooking, instead of adding sugar, if you add plain sugar, you, it tends to get caramelized and you know, uh, sometimes you don't control the fire, you get burnt. Mm. But we've done the job for you. It's already cooked. So in a sense, uh, they add in sweet sauce so that you will not have the bitter, bitterness if you tend to overcook the sugar. Mm. You won't have the burnt taste. Yeah. And so that's sweet sauce. So different countries use sweet sauce differently. Like like you rightly mentioned, there's ketchup manis, there's a, in different cuisines, they're different. Just the, same as uh, fermented soybeans. In Singapore, we call it Taochu, right? Yeah. Uh, but Japanese love it sticky, natos, right? Uh, and the Indonesians, Japanese, they love it as a tempeh. It's all fermented soybeans. The base ingredient is the same, but the way of fermentation, the mode that is used, the duration, and what the output is. Uh, yeah. One is a sticky mess, one is like whole soybeans with uh, people eat with porridge, which is the Taochu. And the third one, tempeh, is like in cakes, you know? Mm. Uh, that people bite. Yeah, so soy is used all around the world. It's an amazing product because it's one of the largest source of vegetarian protein, a uh, protein from vegetables, right? From plants. So it is it is uh, interesting how it has evolved in different cultures. A bit like language, right? Now Singapore has a Singlish and every country's version of English is slightly different. Yeah, for sure. And even in India, they have their own mock meat made out of soy protein, right? I find that really yes. fascinating. Um, yes. And I, I realized that some Nonyas would actually make their own sweet sauce. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, some restaurants, they do make their own sauce. Uh, occasionally, we, we learn about it uh, through interacting with the chefs. And uh, chefs uh, typically like to make their own sauce because they would then combine a few sauces together. So for example, onion sauce, X, Y, Z, A, B, C, they blend it and then it becomes their own concoction. You know, and that's, that's, that's unique because every restaurant wants uh, customers to keep going back, right? Mm. So if you just buy wholesale from a, a supplier, it's easy for your competitors to copy you, right? Mm. Or even your, 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 your sous chefs, your assistant chefs, right? Uh, yeah. After they leave, yes, okay, this is, this, right? Mm. I've just used the same brand. 
But a lot of them, they will come up with their own concoction so that, uh, you know, that, that is their secret recipe, you know, and uh, that's something that's hard for others to, to imitate or, or, or to copy. Yeah. So coming up with their own sweet sauce, I'm not surprised. You know, uh, it is quite common. Mm. In fact, uh, it is generally in the industry quite secretive what sources people use. Yeah. Uh, where we send to some F&Bs, uh, we are even told to send without our labels. Mm-hmm. You know, or even when we send with labels, the next time we go or we frequent the, rest, the, the restaurant or the hawker and then the label gets torn off, you know. And that's how competitive and interesting F&B is. Because uh, like our slogan says, sometimes the secret is in the sauce. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so true. And you have another product which is the soy sauce crystals, right? I think yes. I saw photos of it and I've never ever seen this product being sold anywhere else. Um, whether it's overseas or in Singapore. Can you tell me how right. that is formed? That, that, is, that was an amazing discovery by itself. Uh, we've always had a product because it only forms when you naturally, uh, naturally ferment soy sauce in the traditional vats or the, or the jars, right? Those big terracotta vats that we have. Uh, it crystallizes at the sides uh, of, the, of the, the, the vats and it takes a long time, over years, right? So one day, uh, what happened was, uh, after I opened my boutique, Nanyan Sauce Boutique in 2018, uh, I had a customer walk in, you know, and uh, he first question asked me, hey, I want to buy your salt. I was like, my shop looks hipster, but I, I, it's not a provision shop, right? I, I don't sell salt, I sell soy sauce. And uh, he said, no, 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 I, I came all the way here from Hong Kong. And, uh, you know, he, he, he told me that he saw the vats on my website. Right, just like you see on my front page of my website, you see the traditional parts. But he couldn't find the salt in my e-commerce store. So he said, Ken, I, I, I've come here to you know, check you out and uh, want to buy, very sincere in buying the salt from you. So I, I then realized he was really quite serious. <laughs> so I asked him, you know, I, I have the salt, but I, we never bottle it for sale. Can you tell me what it is used for? Why do you want to buy it? And of course, more importantly, I don't know how much to sell it to you in what quantity, right? Is it one kilo packs, or is it 100 grams, so and so forth. So this, this gentleman was a, this, this guy was a gentleman, right? his name is Jason. He told me exactly what the value of it was, what he was using. He told me that in, in Hong Kong, he had to go to this old, uh, old traditional soy maker. I think what the only one left, or one of two left, right? Uh, that every time he goes from under the counter, he will take out a packet, a small packet and sell him. And I was like, what? is so special and what, why is this uh, sort so uh, so rare? So I called up my mom and I, I, I discovered that actually we have it, just that uh, we have very small quantity and we have to evaporate or in a way uh, uh, the whole vial of soy sauce, 100 over liters, we have to evaporate all the way to the bottom and you get it at the side in the bottom. So then I understood why it's so precious because I, I cannot sell 100 over liters of sauce, right, in order to get it crystallized into crystals. Mm. Uh, since then, uh, it's quite an amazing journey because uh, we've got this sort uh, that we have. We've done an amazing packaging and uh, you know the first batch we, we, we got to Jason was just in simple bottles, right? And uh, uh, since then, we put it up on Kickstarter. A friend told me, put it on Kickstarter, right? And uh, every, everybody would know you can test your product. Uh, but I asked him to do it for me and he, he said, you know, it wouldn't move, why don't you do it yourself, right? Because he runs an agency that helps people market products on Kickstarter. So I, I put it at price, uh, which is the price we have, $68. And uh, 
Later did I know? So the initial target I set was 10,000. Right? So if you go to Kickstarter, you tag Nanyan Sauce, like you, you, you will see our past project. In the end, we end up selling over 1,000 over bottles. Oh, wow. You know? And 70 over $1,000 that were raised. And that helped us in our, our company uh, rejuvenation in terms of buying machinery for uh, some of the processes, right? The, the, the post-production process, labeling and so on and so forth. You know, uh, so that 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 was a revelation. And since then, we've been selling around the world, um, mm. even as far as uh, Europe, US, Canada, Australia. Definitely, we have quite a number of customers there. And uh, since then, we realized that actually around the world, people know about this sort. It's just that we were not in the know, right? Uh, but of course, uh, with that, then comes the supply. So supply is very limited. So every few, only every few months, maybe two, three times a year, we have stock. And we announce it and then people will kind of uh, buy it and there'll be a wait list. So that's that's the brief story about the sort. And in fact, we uh, we even had a team that came down from uh, Canada, uh, a media called the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, CBC. So we got featured in their in one of their documentaries. Yeah. So it's quite amazing. Uh, this sort is we call it the Nanyan Soy Sort, S O Y S A L T. Can I ask if it's flaky or fine? Uh, it's flaky. So it comes like like raw crystals. Uh, yep. we, 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 we did try different versions. We did try to pound it for customers, right, and all that. But we found that most customers like it original. So it could be like in like a, almost like 10 carats to 5 carat diamond kind of sizes, you know. Wow. Look at those diamonds, everybody knows that. Eh? It comes in crystals. Yeah, so one jar, we, uh, we, we put it into uh, 100 grams uh, per jar. It's sold in a, a, a glass small bottle, mm -hmm. just like a truffle. Yeah, so that's... Or caviar for, for that matter, small, small jars. Yeah, I can totally imagine like, you know, it would be so good. You know now, sweet and salty desserts are like on trend, right? Can you imagine yes. that soy sauce, flaky salt on like cookies or on brownies, you yeah. know? It would be so good. Um, yeah. Even you know, got to a, a French, just a quick story, a yeah, French yeah. award-winning chocolatier uh, got into the hands of him uh, and he actually used it for his uh, hot chocolate. Oh, wow. You know? Flex of it on his hot chocolate. It's just amazing. Yeah. Have you tried it? Yes, I, I tried my own version of my hot chocolate and I put it. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get his award-winning chocolate, you know, because it's too far away. You know. But but he did a video and showed us. It was amazing. So it's taken on of a life of its own. Cantonese people use it to make soup. You know, it can be used in all forms, just like a gourmet salt. Mm. Right? But it's it's probably the most precious salt in the world right now because it's so limited. Uh, only old soy makers have this. Yeah, mm. so that's, that's that's an accidental discovery. We never knew. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, I would also like to ask you, you know, because your products are traditionally fermented, it, it naturally takes a long time and a lot yeah. of hard work. And naturally, you price your products higher than the conventional factory-made mass-produced soy sauce. So was it difficult convincing people to pay more for something as elemental as soy sauce? Yes and no. Uh, for people in the know, some of our very first customers, right? They they were they were buying artisanal sauces from Japan, from Taiwan, you know, and they were costing like 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks per bottle. So for them, they got it right away, right? It's it's, it's artisanal, it's natural, it's old school fermentation, right? Uh, that required little convincing, especially after they tried it, right? And then they they switched to a local brand. Right? Uh, for the, the people who are, I would say, uninitiated or to them it's like soy sauce is soy sauce, right? Uh, 
uh, soy sauce is. It's just soy sauce. It's at the back of our minds, you know. All soy sauce are the same, right? Uh, then, of course, uh, uh, it is a journey of discovery, right? But for them first to kind of understand that in the past, in the 50s and 60s and even 70s, all sauces were made the same way. Until the 80s and 90s, the technology came up where they could use a chemical process to, you know, just with all technology, right? How to make things faster, cheaper, and uh, more, right? Uh, so then this technology came out and then it became uh, a, a, a very profitable way to make soy sauce, not in nine months, but equivalent of uh, like within a day. But there's, there are a few processes. There's one day soy sauce, there's five to seven days, there's two weeks soy sauce. Uh, but they're all not the traditional natural way of making. You know, it's all speed up by technology in some form or the other. Some people will label their sauce, their two weeks soy sauce, or even two months soy sauce as a natural fermentation. Mm. It is what it is, right? People can taste the difference, right? Uh, and, and of course, is it the time? Uh, are, we, are we paying more for the sauces because of the time? Actually, yes and no, right? Anything is more time, it requires more resources, right? But also our soy sauce is also handmade. I've been to Japan, I've seen some naturally fermented soy sauce. They are machine made. So there's also a differentiation. Things that are handmade, I don't know if you've eaten some kueh before, or, you know, some kind of like uh, uh, noodles, handmade noodles versus factory cut noodles. World of a difference. Yeah. Handmade soy sauce versus that. Because the ingredient we use, I came to realize, I visited 13 sauce breweries around Asia, of which Japan was one. And I went to Japan and I met a very old uh, soy maker, in uh, I think 250-year-old uh, soy maker, older than us. Um, and, and I was fascinated because everything was automated, it's natural fermentation. But one of the things I discovered was that they couldn't use the whole soybean. Now, as you will imagine that soybean comes as a, as a round, a whole soybean, right? But because they explained to me, I asked them, why can't you use the whole soybean? It's because the machines, right, is not hand uh, made. So the machines cannot have oil jamming up the parts. Right, because soybean itself has a little bit of soybean oil. So they could only use the defected soybeans. The defected one means that uh, whatever is the leftover byproduct of soy oil, soy, soybean oil extraction. So they extract the oil. So whatever is that residue or leftover, then they use to grant for me. Mm. I, was, I was shocked. I was like, and you're not getting the whole nutrient of that bean. Yeah. You know? And of course it's cheaper, like you use the byproduct, right? Uh, versus use the whole soybean. So there are little, little differences that along the way that add up to be a big difference. You know, both visible, visible will be the taste, the color, the texture, the, 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 the fragrance, and invisible will be what happens when it goes into your stomach, mm. right? Uh, like the benefits and of course, the detriment that comes with using a different process. Yeah. But the amazing thing about soy sauce is that the different countries, different cultures, different flavors have adapted it. If you move down south, even more Philippines, you get sweet, sweeter and sweeter. In mm. Indonesia, you get ketchup manis, which is off the charts, you know. Mm. Yeah, so that's, that's how it is. Places like Taiwan, they have dark soy sauce, but they seldom use light soy sauce. And oh. in Japan, our Japanese customers most of the time buy light soy sauce. They don't know dark soy sauce, you know. So we, Singapore, we are a fusion of cultures. Melting pot, so we are we are the, the, the special privilege of having both light soy sauce and dark soy sauce. Mm. Oh, that's so fascinating. I didn't realize that those countries didn't use either light or dark soy sauce. Um, yes. So, 
a philosophy in the West is that the more premium a product is, be it extra virgin olive oil or whether yes. salt like fleur de sel, you would use it as a finishing product. So what is your take on the best way to use your product? Okay. So our products, uh, uh, we have to understand the how soy sauce will make the pass and the soy makers, like for example, my grandfather, uh, why, what was their philosophy in guiding them in making the sauces? You must understand way back uh, 50, 100 years ago, right? Soy sauce is a necessity, it's a staple, right? Once you add soy sauce, it must be good enough to have it with poor porridge, right? You don't have the luxury of adding more spices and then taking all the time, two hours to cook a meal. Mm. In the past, they don't have that luxury, right? Everybody's working there, you know, working all the time and trying to make a living, right? So a soy sauce is meant to be full-bodied, it's meant to be multi-purpose. You can use it for dipping, you can use it for cooking, blah, blah, blah. Now, nowadays, if you go to a supermarket, right? you'll find that there are very specific soy sauces. They say that, okay, this soy sauce, it has a picture, for example, it has a picture of a fish. Uh, and they say, this is for fish sauce, right? Fish, uh, not fish sauce, but for steaming fish. Then you've got another one that says, okay, this is a bottle of sauce for uh, prawns, you know, halo, right? Uh, for that matter, or pork, braising chicken, and all that. And then you get a whole array of the sauces. And usually these are the big brands, right? You've got the Likamki and all the big brands that have a lot of variety. Now, my, my question to the consumer is, think about it. Now, the price might be more affordable, right? Could be $5 a bottle, right? But you end up buying a lot more bottles. And that's part of the marketing strategy. And when you have like five different bottles instead of just one bottle of soy sauce, you end up not finishing them and throwing them away once the expiry date is done. You know, it's, 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 it's reached. So the whole idea of a traditional brute soy sauce, like Nanya sauce, is that it's meant to be standalone, it's meant to carry any dish. And that's the amazing thing. How can a sauce be used for across the board, right? And that's because through that natural fermentation, nature does the work. A creator up there does the work, you know, for us, in the sense that it is fermented. You can use it for dipping. So our, our virgin brew, for example, we use it for dipping, people use it for stir-firing, and so on and so forth, right? Uh, our virgin brew, each 12 months, which is the top of the line, $28 a bottle, uh, that also people use it in a variety of purpose. Mm. Uh, however, uh, the common conception is that the more premium the soy sauce, uh, I only use it for special occasion. I only use it when I'm eating like really good food. And that's, that's a human reaction to carrying an expensive handbag. You won't bring it on a day-to-day -day basis, for example, mm -hmm. right? And it's more of a human perception. But, but at the end of the day, customers that uh, have experienced our source, they, they use it all the time. Because they tell me, can actually, you know, we end up saving a lot more. I said, why? Because we seldom go out to eat now. I mean, first, there's a pandemic going on. Right? And second of all is that, you know, with the quality, better quality sauce, the food they cook tastes even better. Mm. Their kids started coming home for dinner, mm. you know, asking them to cook more and more. And how, much, how long can a bottle of sauce last these days? Weeks, if not months, you know. So, per serving is actually insignificant, you know, compared to what you will pay outside for, for an equivalent burger that would cost $20, right? So, that's, that's that. Uh, that, that space we find that's evolving. People are now more cautious about what they're consuming. They are more into gourmet stuff, right? especially with the, the lack of travel. We are now trying more 
premium stuff from around the world and local as well. You know, uh, all these are changing trends and I think it will stay. Mm. And I would also love to talk to you specifically about your own personal journey in running this business. Was there any moments where you felt very frustrated that, oh, you know, people don't understand what we're doing or like, you know, I'm so passionate about this, but people don't feel the same? Uh, Well, frustrations come with the, the, the excitement, right? It's all part of the journey. So uh, I remember when I opened my, my, my boutique, my sauce boutique in 2018, on the very first day, I sold one bottle of sauce, you know. And, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a very deep moment because I realized that, hey, you know, uh, am I going to actually survive, right? Because if I open a shop, I, I definitely hope to sell more than a bottle of sauce. So uh, through the journey, there's been ups and downs, right? So we evolved. Let me share with you about our, our journey, right? So when I first came to the business, my mom was the eldest of uh, six children that my grandfather had. Uh, she's actually the so it's actually my maternal grandfather who started this business, right? Mr. Tan, Mr. Tan, my mom is Madam Tan, and I'm a co KOH, right? Um, so um, when I first wanted to come in, she said no. She said you've got a degree, you can get a much better job out there. At that time, I was running my business. It was in a corporate training. So in your words, I could make money with a pen and paper. Why come back into such a sunset industry? Why come back and sell soy sauce? You know, make it for nine months, back-breaking work. You are subject to the rain, to the shine. You're almost like a farmer. And you sell it for a few dollars. You know, it is, we have been losing money uh, prior to this, right? We've been losing money for years, right? Because of all the confluence of factors. Right. Not because our sauce was no good, but we had no marketing, no awareness, not in the supermarket. It was a good sauce that still survived for 60 years because purely of word of mouth and the quality of our products. Grandmothers passed it to their mothers, uh, press it to their children and pass it to their grandchildren, you know, so on and so forth. So uh, with all these uh, considerations, uh, I said, okay, the first thing we need to do, we, need, we can't go onto the supermarket. First, we don't have a price advantage. My cost is a lot higher, nine months versus like a day or even two weeks of soy sauce making. It's, it's my cost is way higher. Uh, my selling price, I, I can't beat those guys. And even if I have to get to the supermarket, first it requires a lot of money. And they are very selective because there's really a lot of products. And even if we got in, we'd probably be at the bottom of the rack. We've got to climb the supermarket ladder, you know, not the corporate ladder, the, the rack ladder. Because usually the most popular ones, they put it at high level, if you notice, right? The big brands, the Kikomans and all that. And then the, the not so popular, they put it at the floor or they put it at the, high, the highest level and you can't even reach it, you know, or you got to bend down and pick it up. So I said, that is not a game that we are going to be competing in because it's a sure-lose strategy. So I, I got together uh, some of my existing customers. I got together my team. and said, how can we create a difference? So the first thing we did was look at the space and say, okay, if our sauce is going to be so uh, unprofitable and so hard to make, What's, what are the modern way of people are doing sauce? So I visited the sauce breweries, 13 sauce breweries around Asia. And these breweries are open for tours, some of them, and some of them I write in uh, to the management and say, can I come and visit? And I disclose that I'm from an old soy maker. So I got access to them. And after visiting them, I realized, wow. And that's why we are losing money because nobody makes soy sauce like us anymore. 
you know? Because I thought soy sauce was always and only made like this, like how we made. Say none of these people are making like us, you know? Uh, I, the most impactful one was I went to a, a, a big one overseas, right? A very big one. I went in and I asked them, what's your production capacity for sauce? They say, oh, 6,000 over bottles per minute. Ooh. I said, what? That's more than my capacity per month or per year, for example, right? So per minute, they, they just churn out so much bottles of sauce. And that's crazy. So then I went to the level two. They had a museum. Because it's a very old brand, a few hundred year old brand. Say, okay, this was how we used to make soy sauce in the Qing Dynasty. And you see all those bronze statues with the big tail. And then they had all these uh, museum-like bronze statues, right? Making sauce. So I started taking pictures. And after a minute, I stopped. And my hair stood up. And I was like, why are we making sauce the same way they are making? Right here in modern day Singapore, in modern time and age. And that's when I realized that we had something worth preserving. That became our USP. Our weakness became our strength. Mm. Right? So the, the, after that, that market research I did, the first thing, second thing I said, okay, we've got to open a sauce boutique. We've got to create a differentiation. I, I see boutiques for whiskey, wine, so on and so forth. Why not one for sauce? So we opened the very first one in Singapore, a sauce boutique. Created a huge impact because you know people were blown away the fact that this sauce had their own shop. And when I had their own shop, I could take my time to explain the difference to the customers, right? So I was the salesperson, I was the shopkeeper, I was the cashier, I was one-man show. I was at the shop every day, grinding for a good one to two years. And then after that, I realized that, oh, a lot of people were asking to visit my sauce brewery, right? And I said, okay, if they were to visit, how do we let them know the difference? Instead of telling my story one-to-one, can I tell the story to more people at the same time? So I created a Source Academy, again a first, right? Where they go through workshops like Source Appreciation, Source Pairing, Source Profiling, Source Making, you know, things that you find for tea, you find for coffee, you find for wine. And these are commodities as well, right? But you never find for Source. So again, we created a, a first. And that's why with each first that we do, we created a lot of attention from the public, from the media, so on and so forth. Source Academy came out and we were now doing workshops for 20 people, 50 people, 100 people at a time. So it had a multiplied effect, right? And every person who went to our workshop became a strong brand ambassador of Source, right? By using our Source, by buying our Source as gifts. And then we created, we found that people were buying our Source as gifts and then we created a gifting range with very nice packaging, you know, um, and different segment, whether it be a house party, Christmas, Mother's Day, birthday, so and so forth. And with that gifting range, we found that it suddenly became viral, right? People started receiving gifts of soy sauce that they never would have imagined. And usually you give, what do you give somebody who, you know, uh, who hosts a, di- a house party, for example, a dinner party? It's hard, right? You give a bottle of wine at the end of it, the host has like 20 bottles of wine without knowing who is from who, right? But you give a good bottle of sauce, you know, it, it stands up. And the whole family, the host, the recipient of a gift, the whole family benefits. You know, and we started being called up by private bank, bankers, you know, businessmen, and say, can you do gift sets for us? Hotels, for example. So our gift sets really took off. Mm. So that was our next thing. And then after that, uh, one thing led to another, then the salt was discovered, so and so forth, you know. Yeah, so, so I think it's a journey. There's been a lot of disappointment along the way. But I think by and large, we found a niche group of people. I would not say this is the mass, mm. but there is a niche group, a good, uh, a good solid base of customers that 
that have been supporting us and they've been buying online, uh, mm. not just locally but also overseas. In Australia, we have quite a number as well. You yeah. know, uh, quite lucky. And uh, just a few months ago, we listed on Amazon Australia. You know, um, so people could buy. And it reaches them faster. Yeah. So that's 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 the long and short uh, answer to your question. Well, that's amazing. I love how your business mind works. Was it always easy for you to conceptualize how to keep your brand relevant? Uh, it was not easy, but uh, we are very blessed and guided because mm -hmm. uh, a lot of our innovations was driven by our customers. Why I say that is because, you know, when most of the time you are buying sauce from supermarkets, right? the big makers, the sauce makers, the big ones, right? Kikoman and Mikamki, they have actually very little direct interaction with the customer, mm. you know, because the, the, the interface they go through is a supermarket, mm. right? And who's buying their sauce? Usually what they do for big brands is they will do focus groups, right? They will get together some customers, some chefs, and maybe a sampling of 20 people, 30 people, right? And then they kind of come up with new flavors based on their R&D team, so on and so forth, right? To, re to, to, to adjust to market trends. Mm. But, but for us as a small maker, we actually get intimate information from our customers about what they like about sources, what are the gaps in the market by the big boys, and how they prefer their sources. Mm. Because we are in a boutique, every day we handle 10, 20, 50, 100 customers, right? Depends on season. Mm. So when we are at a shop, we have intimate interaction. Customers have my phone, sometimes I help in delivery, sometimes when I send sauce, they see me, they recognize me, I get invited in for tea, you know, it's just uh, amazing. You know, this kind of uh, first-hand interaction, Kikoman wouldn't have that, right? As a big boy, they, 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 they operate on a different basis, right? But with all these, it is uh, interactions. Yes, enable us to have an edge in terms of what uh, I recently found out is that whatever that I'm talking about is actually big data, right? In the AI term, right? It's a big data, big data. To me, it's a small data, but you know, in a big way, right? It's the big data. So this big data we have actually is very valuable. Yeah. Because as a soil maker, we are in tune, right? So as a result, actually, uh, we are also a little bit flattered, but at the same time, a bit worried. Because you notice that there are some uh, regional or at least some old soil makers around, I wouldn't say just in Singapore, but even around the region of neighbors, they have started to come out and give packs, you know? And, and they give their, their, their stories, their videos, it's very similar. Like some of the things I say in my interviews, it comes out in their interviews as well. So I think we are having a whole wave, right? Uh, we are probably the first, but we are having a whole wave. And I'm encouraged to see that of all soy makers, the third gen, second gen, fourth gen, going back in because they still see that, hey, there is hope, right? If, uh, if so far, Nanyan sauce, uh, they have done it, maybe there is a chance that we can do it as well. You know, it's our generation. I'm also in my 30s, you know. Oh. So I think our generation grew up in e-commerce, you know, very savvy with the social media. But we are starting to uh, change the rules of the game, right? i give you a last uh, quick example. It's uh, our latest innovation. It's a keychain bottle of soya sauce, you know. So a keychain bottle is, is about the size of your car remote control, mm -hmm. right? It comes with a little carabiner. I have it downstairs, I don't have it here. And uh, uh, that's super cute because now you can bring Nanya sauce, it's BYOS, so bring your own sauce. Oh when you go God. out and eat, yeah? for example, because, because you know, outside when you're eating, you don't know what sauce they're giving you. Mm. And to be honest, if you're eating at a hawker, you know, for $2, a uh, soft white egg, 
they're not going to give you the best, mm. you know? Yeah, because they'll buy the the, the, the five liter tub for like a few dollars kind, you know? So uh, now this thing came out as it's actually gone quite viral. You know, people are taking pictures and it's quite cool, you know, you bring your own bottle and it has a Nanya logo on it, which is a premium brand. And so it feels good to be, you know, using a premium sauce, bragging rights, you know, at most, right? And it's also for the taste. And this innovation came about because my customers were telling me, Ken, I've been bringing your sauce out uh, because I don't have to eat a restaurant kind of sauce. Even when they go to good restaurants, they, they say the sauce, the ingredient may be good, the fish is good, but the sauce, hmm. you know? And then they say, I've been bringing it out, uh, but I, every time your bottle is this size, 500 ml, I've been pouring into my own small bottle and bringing it out. Can you do something small bottle? So they say about 200 ml, but I condense it to 30 ml, even smaller, such that it can be hooked onto the keychain or in your bag, for example. And you can squeeze out. You know, so amazing. So I sent it to, uh, we have a VIP membership, which gives them uh, uh, discounts, privileges, and uh, to qualify as a VIP, they got to buy at least $100 of sauce the first time at my boutique. So mm. we got a few thousand of these members. We said, I'll, be, I'll be sending to all of them. And you know, that wow. we just launched only last week. Yeah, so it's it's going to be viral and it's going to be also in a way a testament to the 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 the, the length that people are willing to the trouble in a sense, right? To bring up their own bottle of sauce because they like our sauce. Yeah. So I think in closing, I have just one last question for you, which is at home when you enjoy your own soy sauce, what are your favorite ways to enjoy it? Like what, what are some dishes that you cook with it? Good question. Uh I like both my Singaporean style of cooking, right? Which is the Singapore Asian dishes. I like the Western one. My wife makes a lot of Western style of pasta, pizza, so and so forth. Some of, let me talk about some of the unusual ways that we use, right? Our sauce, and that might be interesting. A lot of people would think that sauce is always used in just Chinese cooking, right? And it's, you know, uh, it can be replaced by MSG and all that. That, that, that. that is Uncle Roger's way of thinking, right? <laughs> well, well um, uh, for us, we actually, uh, because of, again, the interaction with my customers, I, I get taught and learn a lot of different ways of using sauce. For example, in my soy sauce brewery here, we've got uh, recently, just last few days, we just harvested a jackfruit, uh, you know, a champila and a mango. Mm. So I remember my customers telling me, hey, you can actually have soy sauce with mango. You know, mm. and I tried it. I never would have thought of dipping mango in soy sauce. And I thought it's mind-blowing. It's amazing. You know, it's how the traditional way of them eating it. Yeah. So the Western way, I mean, the more unusual ways is I've added it to ice cream. Soy sauce ice cream. It's extremely umami. My wife uses soy sauce for baking. So you want to make a chiffon cake, for example, a pound cake. Besides sugar, usually they will add in a little bit of salt. Because salt and sugar, as you mentioned, sweet and salty complements very well. So by adding in soy sauce instead of salt, it actually brings out a whole dimension to the saltiness. You know, yeah. it's actually umami in a sense. If you can get past the thought of it, because mm. most of the um, most people think soy sauce is just salty. Why do I want salty ice cream? It's actually not salty ice cream. Just you don't believe me? You try. You add onion sauce to. Vanilla ice cream, plain vanilla ice cream, you stay around. Mm. And the closest flavor I can think of is a salted caramel ice cream. Mm. Very nice. 
Yeah, actually, I think now a lot of people in our generation, they are very comfortable with with the idea of um, maybe like a miso ice cream or miso cookie. So I, I think it's uh, fantastic. And I, I absolutely love talking to you. And now I know what to get my mom for Mother's Day or for her birthday. You know, it's such a giftable thing because she's Cantonese and she loves soy sauce. And, you know, the quality of ingredients to her is very, very important. So, you know, it's such a great gift. Thank you so much for sharing with me. Thank you, Pamela. Come by next time you are, you are back home, okay? That wraps up another episode of the Singapore Noodles podcast. My guest on this show was Ken Cole. In collaboration with Singapore Heritage Festival, Ken will be doing a sauce appreciation workshop where he will walk you through his entire range and share tips on how to best enjoy soy sauce. Also, Singapore Noodles has launched a quarterly food publication called Seasonings, made in collaboration with Hafi. Our very first issue gives you an insider's view into Ramadan and Hari Raya food culture. To order it, you can visit our website sgpnoodles.com. Every purchase goes towards the work that I do at Singapore Noodles, whether it is the testing of recipes or having podcast conversations like this one that you have just heard. And it helps to make the platform a more sustainable one. Thank you again for your support and I'll catch you all next week.